Good morning, everybody. As you came in this morning, hopefully you got your hands on one of these. If you didn't, I'd love for you to have one so you can take notes. Does anybody not have one of these? And no one is... Go, go ahead, Jim. Jim's going to grab a handful. He'll be back. We'll get started. On the inside, you'll find a listening guide, and I want you to follow along and fill in the blanks. Are you glad to be in the Lord's house this morning? Shout amen. 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 It's been a great morning so far, and I know it's only going to get gooder from here on out, okay? So uh, we're starting a new series this morning. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. July 2014, July 2014, Hope in Christ became a congregation. That was uh, when we first began meeting publicly as a church. And the very first word God laid upon my heart as we began Hope in Christ Fellowship was by this same title, Who Do You Think You Are? Now, I'm not going to preach that same series of messages, but I am going to borrow that thought. Who do you think you are? And what we're going to do is, uh, as we did in the book of Philippians, going verse by verse, we are going to open up the book of Ephesians beginning today, and we're going to go verse by verse through the book of Philippians. Today, the title of the message will be, Who do you think you are? And here's what the Bible is going to teach us today. I am in Christ. Can you say that with me? I am in Christ. If you're a born-again believer, if you're a Christian, you are in Christ Jesus. Now, if that sounds funny or that doesn't make a lot of sense to you, I'm going to explain to you today what it means to be in Christ. And what we'll be focusing on today is the impact of our union with Jesus Christ. Uh, If you know Jesus Christ today, you are a new creation. When you come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, when He saved you, when He redeemed you, all of your old life passed away and behold, everything that moment forward became brand new. Your sins were were, were forgiven and God forgot about those. The blood of Jesus Christ does not simply cover up our sins. The blood of Jesus Christ washes our sins away. You are no longer a sinner. You are no longer a guilty sinner before God. You are a forgiven saint of God. And the rest of your life here and for all of eternity, you are forgiven, cleansed, clean, born again, saved, righteous, sanctified, justified, and the list goes on and on and on. Here's what I believe. I believe one of the biggest crises that the New Testament church of 2021 is facing today is people don't know who they are. People don't know who they are. You, you may know that you're Ron Sante. You may know that you're Jason Nolan. You may know that you're Leslie Looper. But do you know who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I know I'm saved and I know I'm not going to hell when this life is over. That's wonderful. That's good. But that's still in the future. You, you have to know and understand who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ based upon Scripture 
to live every day to its fullest, bringing glory and honor to God and living out and working out your own salvation every day, bringing glory and honor to God and living a very, very, very fulfilling, abundant life here and now. So we must know, we must know who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. The biggest crisis the New Testament church is facing today is an identity crisis. An identity crisis. And I'm not talking about the the satanic, crafted, gender identity crisis going on out in the world. The, The world don't know who they are. How can they know who they are? They're dead in their trespasses and sins. But they've been blinded. The Bible says they've been blinded by Satan himself. Everything about their life is deadness and confusion. They're just wandering in the dark, just, just frantically pacing around, wandering around in the dark. And, and they act the way they act because they are who they are. But we are who we are, and we are the church. We are the children of God. And we have to know and understand who we are. It seems today, especially in the church, Christians have crafted their own commentary of who they believe the Bible says they are. But we can't be writing our own commentaries. We have to go directly to the source of truth, and Jesus is truth, and the Word of God is truth, and we have to depend solely upon the Word of Almighty God. Now, sadly, within many of our churches, and I've been a part of churches like this before, and I praise God for deliverance. If you enjoy deliverance, say amen. Amen. Many churches are full of the tater identities. Are y'all familiar with the tater identities in the church? You've got the dictators. Huh? They, 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 They somehow have determined that it's their church, and they're going to dictate what takes place in the Lord's church. Not only do you have the dictators, you have the imitators. Y'all have met the imitators before, haven't you? People don't truly know Jesus Christ, but they're in the church and they're imitating the true born-again Christians, but they can't do an effective job of it because they don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You've got the dictators, you've got the imitators. And boy, the church today is full of the hesitators. The hesitators. I mean, you know to do good, but you're not doing it. You're always hesitating to, to take the plunge, to jump all the way in. I mean, just get in from head to toe and just be busy about the Father's work. You've got the dictators, the imitators, the hesitators, and you've got the Carmen-tators. They're always commentating. They're, they've taken upon themselves to become the reporters of the congregation. And they're giving their commentating upon every subject and every activity inside the church. And then you have the spectators. You have the spectators. Those just sitting back and observing and not involved and just kind of minding their own business. They just come and watch and go their way. And then the world famous agitators. You got the agitators. 
You, you know them by name, don't you? Don't look around. Don't look around the room. No pointing. No glaring. No rolling of the eyes. You got the agitators. They're, they're never happy unless they're stirring the pot. Huh? They're, 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 they're happiest when they've got something going and they're stirring things up for the negative, doing the work of the devil and not the work of the Lord. See, it's really, really important. If people in the church don't know who they are, then you have a church full of taters instead of a church full of saints. Amen? So we're going to concentrate today and seeing who God says we are. Who are you? That's a very important question today. Who are you? I am in Christ. As a believer, you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. If the Lord really, really blesses today and I stay on track we will probably successfully accomplish one verse, okay? We'll probably get through verse 1. Verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul identifies himself as the writer of this book, just like Paul was the writer of the book of Philippians. Uh, Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. That's very important to know, by the will of God. He's writing this letter to the saints, Say saints. Now, did Paul not identify the believers at the church of Philippi as saints as well? So so Paul is consistent when he's addressing Christians. He knows who he is. He's the apostle Paul, and he is the apostle Paul because it was God's good will to save him and redeem him and call him into ministry and and, and, and show him what his uh, calling was in life and what his purpose was in life. Remember, Paul was a terrorist. He was an Eastern world culture terrorist. He was killing Christians. He was beheading Christians. He was arresting whole families and throwing them in jail and throwing them in prison and making their lives miserable. And as Paul was journeying one day to go do that calling that Satan had called him to, who the world had called him to, as he was journeying there, he's riding a horse one day and Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through brilliant light, just knocked Paul plumb off of his horse. I mean, just knocked him to the ground. This is how redemption truly takes place. You say, well, Steve, I wasn't riding a horse and God didn't knock me to the ground. I bet he brought you to your knees. I bet he brought you to your knees. I bet he got your attention loud and clear and let you know that you was a sinner on your way to hell, but he was a Savior who come to save you, to give you a new purpose, a new lease on life, to give you new life and give you a home in heaven and a purpose for living the rest of your life down here. Now that's happened to you or you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Paul is riding a horse. Jesus knocks him to the ground. When Paul hits the ground... He opens his eyes and he's been blinded by the light. Waked up like a... Never, no, never mind. He, he, was, uh, he was blinded by the light. There's a song and everything. And if you grew up in the 80s, you just got the same disease I've got. I apologize for that. But anyway, he was knocked to the ground and Jesus began speaking to him, calling him by name. You remember that? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, Lord... It's unmistakable, isn't it? When God invaded your life, when God stopped you dead in your tracks, He called you by name. 
I can remember the summer of 1976. I'm a 10-year-old little boy at vacation Bible school. And out of nowhere, God called me by name. I fell under conviction. That was Monday. On Friday, God saved me and set me on the road toward heaven. And I've been journeying that way ever since. God radically changed my life. He called me by name because of His will. And he began calling me a saint. Now, I've not always lived like a saint, but my position in the Lord Jesus Christ, see, I am in Christ. And because of my position in Christ, I am a saint. So don't be talking to Michelle when service is over. She'll tell you all day long, yeah, he's a saint, but a saint he ain't in all of his actions. You know, that's just the way it is. But positionally, I am a saint in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Now listen to what he says. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints. Paul is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. He's calling them saints. And he says, and are faithful. See, if you are truly born again and saved, you are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not perfect. You're not perfect, but you're faithful. Say faithful. You're not perfect, but you're faithful in Jesus Christ. Now, if you just blow through this scripture and you ignore in Christ Jesus, then you miss the whole point. See, you're not a saint if you're not in Christ Jesus. You're not forgiven if you're not in Christ Jesus. You can't be a child of God apart from God calling you, saving you, redeeming you, and placing you in the Lord Christ Jesus. Now, the phrase in Christ, the phrase in Christ is teaching us the great truth, the great truths of our eternal union with Jesus Christ that we enter into at the moment of being saved, at the moment of being born again, at the moment of being born from above, being converted, being redeemed, all of those words, which means the, new, the, means the same things. God found us dead in our trespasses and sins. He resurrected us to newness of life in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now here's what we have to understand. Being in Christ Jesus means we are in union with Him. We are eternally connected to Him. And this connection, this union between Jesus Christ and us born-again believers is the basis of all of the exhortation, all of the encouragement, all of the commandments. All of Scripture is written to us. And being in union with Jesus Christ is the basis of all of that exhortation to faithful, holy living as well as to sharing. Listen, sharing in all of the benefits of being co-equals before the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ because we are in Jesus Christ. That should encourage you. That should excite you today. The same access that Jesus has to the Father, you have to the Father and I have to the Father today because we are in union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are you? I am in Christ. Say that with me. Who are we? We are in Christ. Oh, I need you to understand that, church. I need you to know this as we move into this new chapter of Hope in Christ Fellowship. 
So like the book of Philippians, having four chapters and 104 verses, the book of Ephesians has six chapters and 155 verses in which the apostle Paul mentions the phrase, in Christ, 27 times. Now when you take six short chapters and you take 155 verses and you use one phrase over and over and over and over again, you imagine in context, Paul is trying to get a message across to these people that you are in Christ, that you're in Christ. So what does it mean to be in Christ? So as believers, as believers, our identity in and with Jesus Christ. We have a new identity. I was born into this world October the 19th. Write that down. It's coming up. Buy me a present. Make me a cake. Invite me over for breakfast. I like my eggs fried. I love bacon and sausage and buttered toast, okay? So just give me a call. October 19th. You got that? October 19th. That's my birthday. So I was born October the 19th, 1966. And when I was born, I was born Steve Looper, the son of Jennings Looper. That was my identity for the first 10 years of my life. That's who I was. I was Steve Looper. I was Jennings' boy. In the summer of 1976, I didn't cease being Jennings' boy, but I took on a whole new identity. In the summer of 1966, God invaded my life. He called me to himself. He redeemed me. He saved me. And I became a child of of Almighty God. I became a child of God. That radically changed my life. So now I'm still the son of Jennings Looper, but trumping that far, far, far superior to that is I am a child of God. God is now my father. Jesus Christ is my brother. I'm part of the family of God. Do you understand what is accessible to me through my new identity? Wow. Somebody say wow. That is a wow factor right there, isn't it? Well, God is not, God's not just in favor of Steve. God's in favor of you too. And if you're a born-again believer today, God is your Father, and He loves you, and He cares for you, and He wants you to live an abundant life full of the Holy Spirit and full of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you've got to know who you are. I am in Christ. We have a brand new identity. Let's talk about that for just a moment. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world, that is the people of planet Earth, those people alive on planet Earth, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only son. Say only son. See, God started out from eternity past going forward. He only had one child. He only had one son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it wasn't that God was lonely. It wasn't that God needed me or God needed you. But it's that God loved us that he decided he wanted to open up his family and invite us in and make us as much family as the Lord Jesus Christ. He is. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Listen, that whoever, say whoever, whoever believes, whoever believes that God loves them, whoever believes that Jesus is the only begotten Son, whoever runs to God for salvation, what happens? They will never perish, but they have. Say, I have. Didn't have, not going to get. The moment you believe, the summer of 1976, 
I inherited eternal life, and from that day forward, I have had eternal life. I will never die. You may pass by one day and see me laying in a casket. I ain't dead. I've just departed this side of eternity. I'll be more alive than I've ever been on the other side of eternity. Why? Because I'm in Jesus Christ. Because I'm in Jesus Christ. Now listen to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 40. Follow me on this, people. Whoever receives you. This is Jesus talking to his Father. Jesus is saying, Father, Jesus is saying, God, whoever receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Whoever receives you receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So, when we receive Jesus, we receive God as Father. And when we receive God as Father, we receive Jesus Christ as our brother. We are initiated. We are grafted in to the family of God. So if we take Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, and we add John 3.16, we get John chapter 1, verse 12. Look at this. But to all, say all, but to all, All who did receive him, how do you receive him? The very next phrase, who believed in his name. There's John 3.16, isn't it? But all who received him, that's Matthew 10.40. 10.40 says, whoever receives you receives me. So to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, John 3.16, whoever believes in him shall never perish but have everlasting life. He gave the right to become the children of God. I'm not making this stuff up, folks. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible teaches. We receive Christ. We receive the Father. We receive the Father. We receive the Lord Jesus Christ. We do that by believing upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the right now to become the children of God. Did you know that you was a child of God? Now, not just in name, not just in churchy language, but are you living your life today? Are you living in the fullness of being the child of Almighty God. And if not, why? Why? Why does the church, why do Christians live as paupers when we are children of the Creator of all things? Because we don't know who we are. And we're not practicing who we are. We're living like them. We're living like the lost. We're living like the world. We're just barely scraping to get by in life. We're, we have no hope. We, we, we have no uh, gigantic faith to carry us through things. And we just look around and see how it's dark out there and how it's gloomy out there and how terrible it is out there. And we kind of get sucked into that. But that's not who we are. We're not children of darkness. We are children of the marvelous light. We are the children of God. Say, I'm a child of God if you are one. Are you going to live any different today going forward? You better. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is called what? It's sin not to live as a child of God when you're a child of God. So we got to get with this, okay? Now let's continue looking at what God says. What God says we are, who God says we are, and how that as children of God, how we should be spending our time. God's children spend their time different than people who aren't the children of God. Look here. 
John chapter 15, verse 16. Pay close attention here. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, he says, listen, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And not only did I choose you, and not only did I save you, not only did I give you eternal life, get this, he said, I appointed you. Say appointed. You have an appointment. You have a purpose. And your purpose is far greater than what this world gives you credit for. We have all been chosen by Almighty God. We've all been called to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have been appointed. We are chosen and appointed. Say, I'm chosen and appointed. That you should go and bear fruit. What does that mean? God saved you. He chose you. He appointed you. He activated you. Activated you. Military terms. Now, in the United States of America, we have National Guardsmen. And those National Guardsmen will spend part of their time on active duty and part of their time on reserve. Listen, in God's kingdom, there is no reserve time. We're on active status at all times. We are always to be ready. Uh, uh, one of our theme verses here at Hope in Christ Fellowship is Peter 3.15. We should always be ready to give the reason for our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are on active status at all times. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. He didn't say go and produce fruit because we can't produce fruit. Go bear fruit. What does that mean? What does that mean? So if you walk up to an apple tree, and that thing is full of apples, you don't see the producing, do you? You see the bearing. Bearing is sightful. You see that. An apple tree full of apples is literally bearing that fruit. Now that tree did produce it, but that apple is hanging on a twig, and the twig is connected to a limb, and the limb is connected to the trunk, and the trunk is connected to the roots, and the roots are buried in the ground. Okay? It's a process. God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, produces godly fruit in our lives and it pushes itself out to the outside and the fruit that comes from the inside to the outside is produced by Almighty God and we get to simply bear it. And people see our lives, they're like, wow, different Child of God, child of God. Why would they know that we're a child of God and not a child of Satan or a child of darkness? Because our lives look dramatically different than the world. Because we're bearing fruit. Why? Because we've been chosen. We've been chosen. We've been appointed. Why? We're in Christ Jesus. We're in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Get this, church. But you, say me. But you are a chosen race. Some of y'all like I was. In school, athletic, not. Coordinated, not. I could do one thing well. I could run like the wind. Big boy like you could run, I wasn't big back then. I started out small, slender. Look at John Avery. Look at Grant. Look at William. Look at Boone. No, not Boone. Boone's a big boy. Anyway, you notice three of, three of my four grandsons, 
you know, tall, slender, and fast as lightning. You ever seen Grant run across this room? He got that from Paul Steve. Now, man, I could run every summer at school. We would have those summer Olympic programs, you know. And, and I was always appointed to be a runner because I just didn't have good sense. They said, run. I was like, Forrest Gut. Woo, I'm running. And nobody catch me. Nobody catch me. I was a good runner. I don't know where I'm going with this. Let's just some scripture. Anyway, I was never chosen. I was never, you know, line you up. Wasn't that the most hateful Evil thing you could do on the playground is line up a bunch of kids and let the cool kids pick who they want on their team. You know, they get all the way done. I'm standing over and they say, let's go. You know, what about me? Can I not play? Well, yeah, come on, teacher said we have to take you with us. But hey, it's not like that in the kingdom of God. Look here, you are a chosen race. That's God's people. A royal priesthood. You said, Brother Steve, I... You know, I'm enjoying this, but I think you're confused. He, he couldn't be talking about me. That's what makes it as good as it is. You know that you're undeserving, don't you? You know that you don't qualify, don't you? See, we're undeserving. We don't qualify. We bring nothing to the table. There's nothing useful in us. The farthest thing from God's mind is I need those people. God needs nothing. That's what makes it wonderful and beautiful. God doesn't need us, but God wants us. Huh? God wants us. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. A people for God's own possession. Some of you all may be here this morning, and most of your life you have spent not being wanted by anyone. Never feeling like you had any worth whatsoever, just rejected by family, rejected by friends, rejected by society, just just a cast off. God loves you and God wants you and he calls you a chosen race. He calls you a royal priesthood. He calls you a holy nation. He calls you his people for his own possession. Not that we just exist in that in Christ position that we're in, But for a purpose, remember Jesus said, I chose you and I appointed you to go bear fruit. Look here. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him. God saved you and redeemed you so that you would go tell everybody how great God is and how wonderful God is and how wonderful Jesus is and that He died for them and and He shed His blood for them and they too can be part of the family of God. That's who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not optional. I've repeated sermons before, and I ain't beyond it. You've got to get this, folks. Who am I? I am a child of God. Who am I? I'm a chosen individual, and God chose me. Who am I? Not only have I been chosen, I've been appointed to go. Say go. Listen to me, church. Are you listening? Say, I'm listening. Who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ and what you've been called to and what you've been appointed for is not an optional life. It's an appointed life. Well, I just don't, I'm, I'm not that good with people. Get over yourself. Get over it. Well, Brother Steve, I just, hey, I don't care how many excuses you come up with, at the end of the day, they all total naught. Nothing. 
There is no excuse for children of God not to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Well, Steve, I know, you know, you're a preacher and you get all excited about that stuff and that, you know, that's, that's cool for you, but that's, that's not me. If it ain't you, you don't know Jesus. And if it ain't you and you don't know Jesus, you're not saved. You're not born again. If there's no urgency in you, there's probably no Jesus in you. Folks, in 2021, we have been given the greatest opportunity in a hundred years to be light in the darkness. And I don't have time to play church, and you don't have time to play church, and it is time to get off of our blessed assurances and get on our feet and open our lips and bear much fruit and let the world know who we are. We are a chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a people of his own possession. Be proclaiming the excellent brother Steve, you'll get me in trouble at work. Good, I hope you get fired. I hope I fire you on the spot. Religious persecution. How are we going to eat? We've got a warehouse full of food out here. You won't go hungry, I promise. Well, where am I going to live? Well, Jesus was homeless and poor. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, was homeless and poor. And when he says, take up your cross and follow me, it may lead you and it may lead me to become homeless and poverty stricken. Well, that's a game changer. Nobody ever told me that. I'm telling you now. I'm telling you now. We're living in the last days, folks. And serving Jesus is going to cost you. My question to you is, do you know who you are? And are you willing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in total submissive obedience, regardless of what it costs you? Well, Steve, you, I, between last week and this week, I don't know what you've ate, I don't know what you've drank, but you've lost your ever-living mind. Maybe so. Maybe so. But am I preaching you the truth or am I preaching you the truth? Can I get an amen? amen. Romans 8, 37. No matter what comes our way, church, listen to me. Who are you? Say, who am I? I'm glad you asked. Let me show you. No. No. Put the excuses away. Put the doubt away. Put the fear away. Put, put, put all of that away. And, and the Word of God is screaming, no, no, quit thinking that way. In all these things, regardless of what comes your way as a child of God, know who you are. Who are you? You are more than, say more than. Now, hey, I would settle for being a conqueror, wouldn't you? The conqueror always wins. Does that go without saying or does that go without saying? If you're the conqueror, you conquer. The conquerors are winners. They're the victors. Can I get an amen? Are you following me? You as God's people, you as God's children, I'm included in this. Here's who we are. In all things, say all things. More than, say more than. What are we waiting on? In all things, we're more than conquerors 
through him. Boy, you take through him out of there and, the, and every bit of the air just leaves that sail and it just falls to the ground. But through him, the Lord Jesus Christ, because I am in the Lord Jesus Christ, he loves me. And here's what he told me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Because in my Father's house are many mansions. I go away to prepare you, say me. I go away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you unto myself because you're in me that where I am you will be also forever and forever and forever and forever. We can't lose. We're more than conquerors in the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Steve, what are you trying to say? Are you really going to ask me that? Are you not following along? I mean, I make slides. I give you fill in the blanks. Is everybody up to par now? Can we move on to the next point? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, not only do we have a new identity in and with the Lord Jesus Christ, but because of who we are, we have experienced some things. We are experiencing some things, and we are going to continue to experience some magnificent things because we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Romans 8, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, is Christ in you? So he's talking to you. He's talking to me. If Christ is in you, although this body is dead, now understand some theology here. When God saved me, he saved the inward man. He gave life to the spirit man. This flesh, this flesh that you're looking at today, is not, it has not been saved. It wants to keep living the way it always lived. This is the battle. The spirit man on the inside of you is in love with the Lord Jesus Christ and committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and called to the Lord Jesus Christ and appointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the spirit man always wants to love God supremely and love everybody as much as it loves itself. But the flesh, the flesh, who is still dead in its trespasses and sins, wants to continue fulfilling the desires of the flesh instead of fulfilling the desires of the Holy Spirit. And that's why you wake up every day and fight a war with yourself. It's a constant battle. It's a constant war. But if we are in Christ, if Christ is in us, although the body is dead because of sin, I thought my sins were forgiven. They are, but we're still living in a sin-cursed world. And until we escape this sin-cursed world, we're going to fight this battle. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. So we are experiencing a war that we've already won. We win in the end. We win in the end. Listen as we follow this thought pattern. Our experience is different because we are different because of who we are. I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, 
Since you have been saved, you have been born again, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, you are redeemed, you are called, you are chosen, you are appointed. If anyone is in Christ and Christ is in you, guess what happens? New creation. Not an overhauled creation. Not a, not a new and improved creation. Brand spanking new. God is a creator. Say, He's a creator. God created you brand spanking new the day He saved you and the day He resurrected you from the deadness of your spirit man. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's inescapable. Inescapable. So here is a word of caution. Here's a word of caution because it is appointed unto every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. It has been appointed to all humanity once to face physical death. And after this physical death, judgment. We will not stand before a mirror and judge ourselves. We will stand before the righteous judge one day. And we will be judged, saved or lost, heaven or hell. Can I get an amen? So here's what he says in preparation to that. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourself. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. 2021 looking forward is no time to be faking it until you make it. 2021 looking forward is no time to play church. No pretending. No tatering. Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. Hey, mind your business. Can I... He didn't say, test others. He didn't say, examine others. He didn't say, hey, take all the tension off you and put it on somebody else so you can feel better about yourself. Here's what he said. Hey, go stand in the mirror and test yourself. Hey, you look you in the eye and you ask yourself this question, who are you? Who are you? And if you cannot say 100% with certainty, I am a born-again child of Almighty God. If you cannot say that, if you cannot declare that with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you need to find you a place to pray. You need to get along with God. And you need to do some business with God. Examine yourselves to see whether you are truly in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize... This about yourselves, that Jesus is in you? He's asking the question. Are you not fully convinced? Are you not fully realized who you are, that Jesus is in you, or is he not in you? Because if he is in you, old things are passed away. It's a former way of life. You're living a brand new life. You, you was on your way to hell and God spun you around and saved you and now you're marching toward glory. You're, you're following the Lord Jesus Christ. You're bearing the cross on your back. You know you're chosen. You know you're appointed. You are bearing fruit. Unless indeed 
you fail to meet the test. It's not my job to make the call. It's not your job to make the call about me. It's for you to determine whether you are in the faith, and it's up to me to determine whether I am in the faith. And if you'll take care of your business, I'll take care of my business, and we'll bring our business together, and we'll have a good Jesus business. Can I get an amen? How would I really know? Because the Apostle Paul told us how we would know. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. In case you don't know it, crucifixion always ends in death. That's what Paul's talking about when he says the old has passed away, the old has been crucified with Christ, the old is dead. He said, it's no longer me living my life. Because I, I can no longer make the call. Because, as we just talked about a moment ago, because now I'm a chosen race. I'm a member of the royal priesthood. I am a member of the holy nation. I am a possession of God Almighty. And since God only me because he loves me and died for me and bought me and because I am his possession now it is no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me Christ is in the driver's seat and I'm along for the ride and if Jesus says go forward we're going forward and if Jesus says turn right we're turning right if Jesus says turn left we're turning left if Jesus says pause and catch your breath and take a moment we pause and rest and we take a moment but I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ because I no longer have the say-so about my life because it's no longer my life. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are you? Who are you? I'm in Christ. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, in Christ Jesus, who loved me. He gave himself for me. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, who's he to tell me what to do? He is the one who loved you and died for you and gave his life for you, and now you owe him all of your life. Doesn't seem fair. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. He, he died for you. You die for him. You live to please him. You live to honor him. Ephesians chapter 3, we'll get to this later in the book, but... Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. I live my life humbly on my face before Almighty God. The Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. We're created in His image. We're image bearers. That according to the riches of His glory, now God is going to tap into the riches of heaven And He's going to grant to you. He's going to pour into you the strength and the power that you need through His Holy Spirit in the inward man. Who are you? Do you realize that the power of heaven is in you today? Now folks, Can I be transparent for just a moment? In all of my 54 years of life, 
I have never been as tired as I am right now. I I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm just being transparent to try to encourage you. My role as chaplain for Signature Healthcare calls upon me to visit about 500. Say 500. It's a lot of people, isn't it? 500 suffering grandmas and grandpas every month. I go visit face-to-face. And some days it comes natural and other days, I'm not saying I fake it, but it's more difficult than other days. My job is to bring sunshine to them. My job is to bring happiness to them. My job is to bring joy to them. My job is to bring a smile to their face through the power of Almighty God. And it gets awfully tiring. I'm not always who I portray myself to be in those rooms. When, when you see sickness and suffering and death every day, that does something to the human psyche. I cannot tell you the number of funerals that I've either conducted or been a part of in the last 20 months. I cannot wait Till death dies. That's the funeral I look forward to. When death dies. And I'm not complaining. I'm I'm not seeking sympathy. I'm not seeking empathy. I'm just telling you that human beings just weren't created to experience that all the time. And here's what I'm telling you this for. Because if it weren't for Scripture like this, I couldn't continue. I couldn't. According to the riches of His glory, that He grants to me the strength and the power of His Holy Spirit in my inward being. That's the motivation to keep going. Again, I'm not complaining. I'm just letting you peek into my life to know that, you know, you see, how do you do that over and over and over and over and over again? Only by the power and the strength of the riches of glory. And to Him be the honor and glory for it all. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the other saints. Folks, listen. What God does for me, God will do for you. And what God will do for you, God will certainly do for me. To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. What he's saying is it can't be measured. It's beyond human measurement. This this power, this strength through the Holy Spirit, the riches of God's glory through Jesus Christ in our hearts, the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's so rich, it's so real, it's so long and so deep and so wide, there's no dimension that will, will encompass 
all that God has for us. It, it surpasses, just like Paul taught in Philippians, this love of God. It's mind-blowing. We cannot comprehend how rich and pure and wonderful it is that we may be filled with the fullness of Almighty God. Are you, are you, is this what you're living today? If not, why not? Who are you? If you're a king's kid, this is for you. God doesn't want you living pitiful. God wants you to live, be living the palace life. God wants you to be pulling heaven down, not pulling hell up. Can you just take 10 seconds and try to process the fullness of God? Tap into that right now. The fullness of God. No, because your brain does what mine does. It just turns to mush and runs out your ears. The fullness of God. One more verse and we'll move on to our third and final point. More confirmation in context. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Listen, church. Which is Christ where? Christ in you. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. The hope of God's glory. Number three in our final point today. Can you believe you get all this out of one verse? I got three more to give you next week out of the same verse. Our conformity to Jesus Christ. I used an example last week to teach about conformity, didn't you? And it's still here. I had this brand new shiny piece of paper. Okay? So here's this. Well, that looks more like us. We're kind of wrinkled, aren't we? They speak for yourself, preacher. Well, I'm getting out of the way. You will too if you live long enough. So here's this piece of paper, but if I begin wrapping that piece of paper around this bottle, what happens? It conforms to the bottle. Now, now is that a flat piece of paper or is that just a bottle of water? See, it's conformed, isn't it? Well, just like that paper is conformed to that bottle, because Christ is in me and because I'm in Christ and because you are in Christ and Christ is in you, we have now been conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to look like He looks. We're to sound like He sounds. We're to think like He thinks. We're to love like He loves. We're to do like He does because He owns us. And that's a... Good ownership. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. Then Jesus told His disciples. Now, now I, know, I, know it's been, I know it's been sharp already. But let's just take a two minute, not two minutes. Let's take a ten second break, okay? Let's time out. Take a ten second break. On the count of three, everybody breathe in real deep. One, two, three. Now let it out. Brother Steve, what'd you do that for? You're going to need that. God's Word 
is a sword. And it's sharp on both sides. And it cuts and it divides. It, it injures so that healing can come about. It cuts off the old so the new can grow. It trims, okay? Then Jesus told His disciples, now just like John 3.16, for whosoever, look here, if anyone, that's a whosoever, if anyone would come after me, who's doing the speaking here? If anyone will come after me, if anyone will follow me, let him deny himself. You've seen the I am second movement? I am second because he is first. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What is the word picture there? Why, why did Jesus carry a cross? What was the destination? When Jesus left Jerusalem and headed to Golgotha, He carried a cross, and the end result of carrying that cross was to what? To die. So when Jesus says, you take up your cross, He's saying, go with me, we're going to die. Deny yourself. But we've tested ourselves, right? We, we've had that conversation with ourselves in the mirror. And we've said, who are we? We've tested ourselves to see if we are in the faith. And if you have determined that you are truly in Christ, and Christ is in you, and you're a born-again believer, if then you have been raised with Christ, church, listen to me in 2021. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Now folks, look at me. Everybody just look at me. Give me 30 seconds of undivided attention. Yes or no? No judgment in here. How many of us are spending the majority of our time seeking the things of this world more than we're seeking the kingdom of God? And if you'll be transparently honest, I'll go first. Me. Let me see your hand. Hey, this don't count. We're... We are. We are. And that's sin. That's sin. We'll go on social media. Oh, God, send revival. And God says, shut your mouth. Huh? Oh, we need God to move upon America today. We're a Christian nation. Are we? Who are we? 
See, the king's kids are part of the kingdom of God. And if we have truly been raised with Christ, then our number one priority, say my number one priority, then our number one priority is to seek the things that are above where Christ is. Where is Christ? Well, it tells us right here he is seated at the right hand of God. Say my mind. Set your minds, those that have been risen with Christ, those that have looked in the mirror and said, I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. We are to set our minds, our every thought, our every thought, our kingdom thoughts. Not on the things that are on earth. Because you've died to the wants and needs of this world. But we just said we didn't, didn't we? See, if we were dead to them, we wouldn't be chasing them. Brother Steve, why did you pick Ephesians? Why couldn't we do a happy, happy joy, Philippians? Well, I gave you Philippians because I knew we was going to Ephesians, okay? Real church. Say real church. Real church. Folks, listen to me. This is not a threat. This is, this is not a threat. I'm just telling you what God has done in my heart and in my mind. 2020 has forced me. 2020 and 2021 has forced me into a reset. You don't see it like I see it. I'm telling you, every day of the week, I watch somebody die. Every day of the week, I see people clinging to life. Every day of the week, I see sickness and suffering. Every day of the week, I see families not being able to get to their loved ones and loved ones not being able to get to their families. My every waking moment of every day that I live and breathe is death, dying, and sickness and suffering. That will change how you think. It'll change how you think. It'll put you in the mindset of kingdom authority and a kingdom mindset that every elderly person I talk to will tell me, I don't know how I got here. I was a little girl yesterday. I was a little boy yesterday. It's gone. And now I'm facing eternity. And I've wasted my life. You know what they have to show for it? Family that's quit talking to one another because they're fighting over mom and daddy's $10.99 inheritance. You want to leave a legacy for your family? Give everything you've got away to the kingdom of God and go out of here dead broke. Go out of here dead broke living for Jesus. And let your kids see you be kingdom-minded. Let your grandkids see you be kingdom-minded. 
If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are earth. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Jesus Christ in God. Remember a while ago he said, if you received Him, you received me. And if you've received me, you've received the Father. Same context. Now our life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. If you are in the faith. Jesus puts it in very clear perspective here. You ready? You just thought it was tough. You ready? If anyone, Jesus says, if anyone comes to me, and I'll explain this first. Don't don't get sideways with me. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, his, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus is not teaching us to hate. You've got to understand the context of this verse. Jesus is saying that if you don't love the Father and the Son in such a way, if your love for the Father and the Son is not so extravagant and, and, and powerful and every other word you can attach to that, if it is not so far superior than your love for everyone else, then you truly don't love them. Because your love for them will be so powerful that your love for your mama and your daddy and your wife and your children and your brothers and your sisters and yes, even yourself, it, it won't even resemble love. Who are you? Who are you? Are you a church goer or are you a saint? Hope today's a new day. I don't I don't know how to tell you. I, I'm not I'm not playing. I'm not playing. I'm not ta- I'm not talking about turning over a new leaf. I'm just talking about living in obedience to the true Word of God. Question, am I preaching you the Word of God today? Am I telling you what it says? Am I adding to it? Am I taking away from it? Am I not just telling you what Jesus says? Is He the same yesterday? Is He the same today? Is He the same tomorrow? If we don't live this way, you can't be my disciple. Wow. What Jesus is saying is, if you're not living this way, you don't belong to me. And the only way you will live this way is because you want to live this way, because you have died, you have been crucified in Christ, and it's not you living anymore, it's Christ living in you and driving your life, and now you're kingdom-minded, not earthly-minded. You can't be His disciple if you don't live His way. Luke chapter 14 says, Apologize. First John chapter two verse six. Whoever says he abides in Christ ought to walk in the same way in which Christ walks. Follow the leader.
And now, little children, abide in Him. Because He is in you and you are in Him. So that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. So, honest question, honest question. I'm I'm getting done, I'm getting done. I've had all I can take too. (laughs) Don't think the preacher's above the preaching. Jesus just come back. The rapture just took place. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. You're before Him right now. Do you approach Him in full confidence or do you try your best to get to the back of the line? You're face to face with Jesus right now. Are you shrinking back? You go, you go ahead. No, really. You go. Daddy taught me to be a gentleman. You go. Just you go on. I got to get my stuff together. It's too late. You're face to face. The way you was living, the moment you met him, do you meet him with confidence or do you shrink back? Church, this is a new day. This is a new day, Hope in Christ Fellowship. I I don't know no other way to tell you. I'm preaching you the truth. It's 2021. How much time do we have left? At the rate we're going right now, how much time do we have left? Who are you? I'll tell you who you are. Those who keep His commandments, they abide in God. The obedient ones are the ones who have Christ in them and they are in Christ. The obedient ones. Those whose lifestyle proves who they are. Whoever keeps His commandments abides in Him and God in Him. And by this, by what? By by obedience, by conformity to the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm living, but it's not me living, it's Jesus living in me. In the life that I now live, I live for His honor and His glory. I'm sold out to the kingdom. Sold out to the kingdom. Say, I know. And we know. And we know, according to John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Do you understand what I've said to you today? Seven years in. God has blessed us. Has He not blessed us, hope in Christ? Seven years in. The year of completion. Can I get an amen or no me? Seven years in. The year of completion. 
And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know Him. Who is true. Is He true, church? And we are in Him who is true. Are you true? Do you want to be true? Do you want to be true? In His Son, Jesus Christ. Because He is the true God and He is eternal life. Wow. I I didn't know it was going here today. I really didn't. Would you stand with me? Let me pause right here and just tell all the folks watching by live stream, we appreciate y'all so much joining in with us. Week after week after week, we love you. We appreciate you. But we are going to sign off now because we've got to do business with God. So if you want to be a part of this, you come be with us next Sunday live and in person, okay? On the count of three, everybody say goodbye. One, two, three. Goodbye. Shut her down, brother. Just us. It's just us. I don't know, other than Scripture, what this looks like. And, and, and this is not for show. This is not for show. And, and this has no element of condemnation to it. You know, everybody is where they are with, the, with their walk with the Lord, aren't they? Everybody is as spiritually mature as they are right now. And some folks are ready to say, wow, I, wow, wow, God, God has shook me to the core this morning. And I've got to, I've got to move. I've got to act on that because well, the way I'm living now, I'm truly living in disobedience. And I don't know how to do this. I really don't. I just know that we've got to make some decisions right here, right now. We, we've got to decide right now, hope in Christ, whether we're going to do this or we're going to do this. And again, apart from Scripture... And I'm just going to go ahead and throw her under the bus. A whole lot of this is Kathy Riddell's fault. She, uh, she turned me on to The Chosen. And I've watched every episode of every season. 
we aren't doing it right. We are not doing it right. At best, at best, we're doing it American. At best, we're doing it American style. And, and we need to be doing it Jesus style. I love you folks. Young's are wonderful people. I mean that with all my heart. I've been serving as a pastor for 27 years. And I have never, ever been so eager to be a part of a group of people as I am with you folks. I'm telling you, God, as bad as we are, we're good, okay? As far off of the mark as we are, it's good, ain't it? I mean, look what God's doing. We're going to the creek again to baptize a teenager. And our John Avery, when I when I first started pastoring twenty seven years ago, Michelle was born. I mean, Michelle, Chelsea, Michelle's twin. Chelsea was born, and that's how I mark how long I've been in ministry. She was a brand new baby, and when God allowed us to plant Hope in Christ Fellowship, John Avery was born. He's seven years old, and when we got the phone call the other night, listen to me, on his own accord, being led of the Holy Spirit, John Avery went over and took a Bible off of the shelf and took to his daddy <laughs> And said, read this to me. Because God chose him, and he called him, and he saved him. He wasn't in a church service. He wasn't at vacation Bible school. He wasn't in the faith factory. But because he has been in church services, and because he's been to vacation Bible school, and because he's been in faith factory and heard the word of God, the seed was planted and others watered, and God gave the increase. I think God has been showing us this year, this year, that we can experience true revival if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, I know most of y'all are Baptists and you love to vote. Let's take a vote. Has it been good here in 2021? Let me see your hand. You vote. Yeah, it's been, it's been really good around here. Not the tip of the iceberg. The reality of this congregation and this community is now. We've got people, we've got money. We're chosen, we're called to go bear fruit. Michelle told you we attended a funeral yesterday of a 32-year-old girl. Who died of a lifelong addiction of IV drug abuse. The 
leaves behind three children. Michelle may not have known it, but I was sitting behind her on the church pew. She was sitting next to Kelly and Amanda. Was, All I could do is just hold it together. The weight of the death and dying in this world is so heavy on me right now that if the world cannot see right now that they need Jesus, they will never see that they need Jesus. And we are the ones to take Jesus to them. Teenagers, young adults, middle-aged adults, senior saints, we have been called and chosen and appointed and brought together for such a time as this. But Steve, what are you asking of us? I'm asking of you what God has asked of all of us, that this morning God wants you. God wants you. And from this day forward, we, we do a reset of priorities in our lives. Yes, we have to earn a living. Yes, we have to eat. Yes, we have to wear clothes. Yes, we have to pay bills. But first and foremost, we've got to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to us. But see, what does that look like? It, it looks like us coming together and spending time in prayer and continuing looking to Scriptures and say, God, what do you want us to do? Send me, I'll go. It's time to become radical Christians. Can we... Can we just have a seat? Can I just play softly? Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? And in the privacy of your own mind and your own heart, can you have a conversation with God and thank Him for His Word today and thank Him for His love? And can we thank Him for choosing us, saving us, and appointing us and we just give ourselves to Him. So, Brother Steve, I did. And when I got saved, I gave myself to God. Can we give everything to God this morning?